pleasant good evening Mets fans and welcome to an emergency episode for the second time in pleasant good evening podcast history we're hopping on for what we're calling an emergency episode and I'm sure you know why Jack and I are sitting down here on a random Wednesday in December before Christmas to do an emergency podcast episode, not going to be a long one, obviously. You see how long this episode is if you're listening to us right now. Aaron Judge is a captain for the New York Yankees, and that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this because Carlos Correa is a Met. That's and right. I don't even know where to start. Is it, can we start with this being in the history of the Stephen Cohen administration? Is it fair to say? Is it that this is the best moment so far? Yeah. I I think so. I mean, listen, so we've only ever done an emergency episode one other time in over two years of doing the podcast. That was when the Mets traded for Francisco Lindor. So if you think about it, there's a precedent set. Anytime the Mets sign a shortstop from Puerto Rico, we have to do this. Um, <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. I think we can quickly just maybe break down the timeline quickly for both of us because you were awake before I was. So you yes. saw it before I saw it. Yes. And no, like I saw it, but I think there's like the way we define seeing it. It's like when people see a shooting star, right? Cause this happened basically at three in the morning, um, which was the perfect time to do this because not only were Mets fans all asleep, Giants fans were probably also asleep. Um, they woke up at like 10 a.m. our time and got the news. Uh, most of us, uh, I guess not you, you did wake up at 10 a.m. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I did. I woke up at 7 a.m. to a text from my friend that uh, just said the word, what? <laughs> Nothing else. And... First thing I did, I went to MLB trade rumors and I just see Mets sign. It was it was really uh like ethereal. It was a crazy waking experience. Um, because usually like the weirdest things that happen happen like when you are asleep and you're about to wake up, not when you just woke up and you're no longer asleep. Like it really was um ironic in that way maybe even poetic in that way and I think a lot of fans had that same experience of just waking up to this ridiculous development completely out of nowhere I mean really like there's out of nowhere and then there's this like this was capital O capital O capital N out of nowhere um yeah I wild kind of wrapping my head around it um I feel very very bad for Giants fans um but I wipe the tears with my $100 bills because my owner uh, signed me to a contract also. Uh, feel, we're actually all getting contracts. That's how this is working. We're all getting paid. We, I saw a tweet that was, um, I think it was Jesse Spector and, you know, drill tweet. We don't have to give credit to Jesse Spector or whatever, but this was a good tweet. It was, uh, it was like baseball fans. He can't keep, Spending money like this, Steve he can't Cohen. Keep getting Cole. away with it. Yeah, it was like a, he can't keep getting away with this, and then it was like baseball fans colon he can't keep spending money like this. Steve Cohen colon points at Seagull four years, thirty six million for you. Yeah. Like it's good, good stuff like that. It's it's literally what we were talking about 
in the last episode. If you want to listen to our last episode, we did this whole spiel about even though they didn't sign Correa, it's okay they didn't sign Correa because just the fact that they got in on the bidding process last minute, it sends a message to the entire baseball industry that Steve Cohen is going to outspend you in every single instance and how great that feels as Mets fans and how great that feels for us personally and what we've endured as Mets fans and and things of that nature. And then it turns out (laughs) it wasn't about sending a message because the message was really sent today at 3.15 in the morning. I found out, like you said, I woke up a few minutes before 10 o'clock and I, I checked my phone and I had a lot of messages and I had a lot of notifications from the various sports news apps and such and Twitter and, and what have you. One of the first things that I saw that keyed me into this before I really got coherent enough in my brain space to understand what was happening was your text. You texted me at 717 this morning and said, oh, I can't record an emergency episode today. And I was like, wait, what, why do we, why would we have to record an emergency episode? Clearly we found time, but I was so confused at first. Wake up, babe. New emergency episode. New reason for an emergency episode just dropped. Yes. Um, and then, and then the other thing that the, the, the way I actually found out for real um, was it was such a surreal moment for me because I saw my girlfriend was up earlier than me today. She was working today and she texted me at 8:17 in the morning a screenshot of an ESPN notification. She's not a sports fan, not really. She's a football fan. She likes her Patriots, but she's not really a base she's not a baseball fan at all really. And she's not really a sports fan beyond the Patriots and the Bruins a little bit. She's from New England. But uh but she does get ESPN notifications sometimes when it's like breaking news like this. It's a screenshot of the ESPN notification that says breaking news in a stunning turn. Carlos Correa agrees to 12 year, $315 million deal with the Mets, New York post. The end says, good morning with a smiley face. Wow. That was the first thing that I saw that said Carlos Correa is a Met for the first time. And maybe the only time in my life, my girlfriend beat me to major breaking baseball news. That's which was that's, really, that's, just beautiful it was really really quite fun um and i just responded in all caps wtf <laughs> which is the vibe i mean it for still everyone, is it's still what the fuck just happened it is this offseason has been one of i mean in mets fandom really in the last 18 months has been uh one of such whiplash mm-hmm. really it's like oh bad thing happens oh just kidding. Really good thing happens. It's like, oh, bad 2021 season, sign Scherzer. And then, oh, this weird, like, they can't get an executive. They have to settle for this guy with a bad track record. And Epler, up, oh, they win 101 games. And then, oh, DeGrom leaves, up, oh, Verlander, Sanga, Carlos Correa. Yeah. I'll tell you, the Verlander thing, I don't think really struck me all that much. I mean, look, signing Justin Verlander to replace Jacob deGrom is the best thing the Mets could have done um, on the market to to replace him. But it did not hit me the way that like signing Scherzer last year hit me, where it was like, holy shit, they're trying to be better than they were last year. Um, 
this is the they're trying to be better uh, move. Everything that we've talked about to this point is something that's been done in the way of replacing someone else or preserving a spot somewhere, right? Keeping Brandon Nimmo, replacing Bassett with Kodai Senga, um, re-signing Adam Adovino, which happened yesterday. Um, there are a lot of, you know, re-signing Edwin Diaz, right? We could do this all day, but Carlos Correa coming to the Mets to play third base um, is that move that takes them to a place that they were not in last year. Um, it's It's not just them trying to be better than they were it's them trying to be the best by any means necessary it puts them right around 500 million dollars when you consider the tax penalties that they're getting which are now over 100 million dollars in penalties yep period uh i believe it's they're up to the penalty number is higher than five 495. Yeah, they're at 495 total including the penalty number but the penalty number itself i believe is like 111 it's 110, I think. Mike tweeted this, and I'm going to look for it. It's 110 million. Can you name? Which the, is, I think, I think that's more than a th- roughly a third of a league. Can you name the 10 teams? I can certainly try. Uh, okay, let's, yeah, let's think about this. Okay, so Pirates, A's. Yeah. Rays. Yeah. Guardians. Yeah. So it is 10 teams, you said? That's four. Yeah, it's 10. You've got four. I have the list here. Okay. Uh, Marlins. Yep. Diamondbacks. Six. Rockies? No Rockies. Or they're above it probably because of the Chris Bryant of it all and things of that nature. The Daniel Bards, CJ Crones. Uh, the Royals? Yes. I'm going to say, I'm not sure about, the, I, maybe the Tigers? Okay, the Orioles for one. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna say the Tigers, but they might have a couple of bigger contracts on there because Baez and and Erod. Yeah, the pi- the Tigers are not on there. Okay, um, okay, not the Tigers. Um, I think the White Sox are above it. Yep. I got two more. I got two more. Um, the Red Sox are certainly above it. The Blue Jays are above it. Obviously, the Yankees are above it. The Reds. There you go. Yep. You got one more. And I got one more. One more is probably going to be. Uh, it's not the Rangers, not going to be the Mariners, not the Angels. It's got to be someone in the Central. Uh, is the are the Brewers under it? Nope. It's. Oh. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. It's the Nationals. Oh, it's of course. Yeah, they're uh skipped right over first. I was going uh, through the divisions in my head. I'm sure, like, if you're listening at home, you could see me going through the divisions, yeah, one by one. But I, I skipped over the Nationals because I, they're so it's relevant. Just Patrick now. Corbin. It's literally just Patrick Corbin, and now Erasmo Ramirez. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean Erasmo time. So Erasmo time. Erasmo time. There's so many numbers that we can play with here um, to just point out. I read the one that said that now Steve Cohen has spent nearly five percent of his net worth on the team um i read one that said that in one uh contract the 315 million dollars that they're going to give carlos correa the mets have um already spent more money uh than the pittsburgh pirates have since 2010 um which is really depressing for yeah. them oh yeah uh, bob nutting right retire um 
I have a number for you. It's yeah. not financial related, but it, I think, speaks about the impact that Correa might have, right? So this is for all those haters and losers who had been going around all offseason saying, oh, Steve Cohen is spending all this money just to like field a team that's like only as good. First mm-hmm. of all, what I say to that is you should probably strive for 101 wins roughly every season if you can. So putting that same level of talent on the field. Wow, I can't believe Steve Cohen is going to spend this much money only to try and be good. How can <laughs> that's so stupid? Only to stay a hundred at a hundred and one win level. He's look yeah. at the look at this guy. Look at this guy. This dude's spending money to win. Okay, but this is for the critics of that yes. who won't listen to that argument. That still, you want to be good, right? Uh because obviously Correa takes that base talent level that maybe the Mets got to or were a little bit above that they were already at last season, certainly puts them well above that. So Correa obviously is going to play third base for the Mets with Lindor at shortstop. You look at third base across baseball, which is a pretty deep position. There are a lot of good third basemen in baseball. There are plenty of superstars at the position. Correa, over the last two seasons between his last year in Houston and his year in Minnesota, has a 136 weighted runs created plus, WRC plus of 136, which, again, a refresher on WRC plus, 36% above league average production of WRC plus, which is 100. There are only four third basemen in baseball in that time period, in the last two years, who have a better WRC plus then Carlos Correa. Will Salmon of The Athletic tweeted this out this morning. I don't know if you saw it. Are I you know. familiar with those four third basemen? Uh, are these active third basemen? Yes. Arnado is definitely one of them. He's not. Really? He's not. He's not. Um, they're probably not counting Vladimir Guerrero. Right. Okay. Um, hang on. You said 136 since when? Last two seasons. The last two seasons. So it's players in the last two seasons. Yes. Devers? Devers is, is one of them. Machado? Machado is one of them. Um, hmm. Um, this is interesting. Um, I got two left. I got two left. Jose Ramirez? Correct. Okay. Um... Let's think. I'm trying to think in terms of division. Um, Last so, one you should probably get. It'll smack you in the face. It's not Justin Turner. No, 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 no. Not quite no, that much. No, no. okay. Um, God damn. Um, think about third baseman who hit a lot of extra base hits. Who maybe Austin Riley. There you go. Yeah, okay, great. Um, and to make to make matters better in terms of this, not only are there only four third basemen in baseball who had better than a 136 WRC plus in the last two years, meaning that Correa effectively, in terms of that production, is the fifth best third baseman in baseball already. Yep. All four of those guys are within three points of him. The highest WRC plus by a third baseman in the last two seasons is Riley at 139. Yep. Then Ramirez at 138, 
Endeavors and Machado at 137. Correa at 136. Can yeah. you guess? Can you guess what the Mets' cumulative WRC plus by third baseman was in 2022? Um, I'm going to go low on this. Most of it's probably going to be Escobar's, but also I know that Escobar's numbers like probably come out to about average because he was so good the last month of the year that he kind of raised everything up. Um, Beatty is probably below average. Guillaume is probably getting some of those starts and he's definitely below. Let's say 96. You're not that far off. You were going down the right track by saying that a lot of it is Escobar and Escobar was right around league average. Yeah. The final cumulative number was 102. Okay. So like literally 2% above league average, effectively league average production at third base offensively. Well, well, that's very convincing, though, in that they're not only going to improve in areas where they were bad, they're going to improve in areas where they were good, but could be a lot better. Yeah, like exactly. That's what that's. Yeah, it lengthens the lineup. They had right handed power here. Well, I've been saying for weeks, you know, at the beginning of the offseason, I was really trying to drive this home on the podcast, on Twitter, whatever, that the best way that the Mets can improve the offense besides just bringing back Brandon Nimmo is finding more power production. And you have that here with Carlos Correa. He hit 22 last year, but he's a guy that in a, in a normal year in which he's not playing in Minnesota, which is a, a large, large stadium and plays large for certain hitters, guys who go to the opposite field like Correa does as a righty. Uh, he should probably hit closer to 30 home runs. I think I've already seen that number. Actually, it was that Correa, if you took all of his home runs from last year and mapped them onto city field, he would actually lose two that left the ballpark, but he would gain three that were not home runs in Minnesota. So he would yeah. still wind up with 25 instead of 22. Pretty good. Or, uh, or he gained five. He gained five, excuse me. So he the final number was 25. Uh, I'm trying to think of how you make this lineup. Uh, because like the first seven spots are just maybe, I mean, the Phillies really like, are in this ridiculous position uh, after they got Trey Turner. But like between, I mean, you do, Nimmo's obviously lead off. That's not really negotiable. Um, you do Correa too. You could do Correa too. I, I figure he probably makes more sense there than Marte. Uh, then like Lindor Alonso, five, six, seven could be anywhere between, you know, Marte, McNeil, Vogelback. Um, that's... I think, uh, yeah, I feel like, I think that it stands to reason at this point that it is still Buck Showalter and he is still going to want that platoon breakup, that left, right split in the lineup. Cause he's Buck mm-hmm. Showalter. Uh, but what we've done here in adding Correa is you always are a big proponent of this, of buck-proofing everything. They've yeah. started to do that with the bullpen, right, with bringing out Amadovino back in addition to the, the back-end options that they've already got with Edwin and Robertson and Brooks Raley and probably another arm, too, whether, I don't know, a trade that for Liam, Liam Hendricks, Hendricks comes to fruition. That's been quiet since it was reported they had interest, whatever. Uh, if that well, happens. it's been quiet because of uh, a, a, of, another yeah. story. Other proceedings. Uh, 
so buck proofing the lineup even if he is like going to hamper you down with like forcing the left right splits sometimes he can still make it work so i agree with you i think that it's going to be nimmo one probably correa two lindor three because that worked all year last year uh and then pete four obviously same deal worked there i think then you could probably go with mcneil five um, mm-hmm. unless we're looking at another situation with Buck in which DH must bat fifth. Oof, but yeah, I, I would defer to, instead of Dan Vogelback, no disrespect to Dan, we're going to get plenty of him this year, I'm sure, mm-hmm. just bat the better player fifth, I guess, which would be McNeil yeah. for me in this case. And then you go Marte six, and then you can get either... Uh, Vogel back in at seven and then go Canna eight, Narvaez nine. If we're rocking with Narvaez as our primary catcher. Yeah. Or uh, if we're getting some time with Brett Beatty in the outfield now, probably going to see a lot more of him in left field, especially in spring training and see how that goes. You could trade him for Shohei Otani. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm operating in a world in which that trade doesn't, happen this offseason okay no I, right? like yeah. just who we've got at our fingertips right now yes like i don't want to speculate about future moves in terms of lineup construction right now we could go but no i just i needed to get that in there somewhere and it made sense yes yes that would be utterly wild and i think the baseball world would lose their minds collectively if the mets wind up with shohei otani this offseason too so alonzo four... would hate that decision <laughs> yes uh yeah alonzo four I would still bat McNeil five, uh, Marte six, and then probably Beatty seven mm. playing left. Uh, and then eight, nine, Narvaez or whoever's catching Nito. Probably, if it's Nito, probably ninth. And then who who am I missing? The, the DH spot. I'm missing the DH spot. So Canna or could dh there or vogelback still yeah or, or escobar Darren. escobar michael conforto you know what this does too can i tell you what this does too this makes i i haven't really seen these takes because they're like the least important takes today this makes darren ruff so much more expendable too yeah no you don't because... have to supplement your right-handed power with adam duvall you can just get a good player and that's the right-handed power bat Eduardo Escobar and other things. Eduardo Escobar could DH against lefties. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that he already could have, uh, because I'd imagine Beatty is their starting third baseman. Like I already thought Ruff was sort of on the fringes anyway. Um, yeah, I thought but... Escobar. I assumed Escobar probably had that job at least to start the season, and if he sure. faltered, whatever, uh, they would have hoped Beatty can get off to a good start. But yeah, I think now with with Correa in tow, sliding Escobar to the bench. That if he's if he's not traded, uh, which could be a possibility too, in the same way that like Carrasco could be traded, mm-hmm. if Escobar is still here, I think him being your infield flex guy, who can also DH against and play in general against lefties because he has better splits against lefties, yeah, or he did last year, then I think that could work. That it, it could be like a pure Vogel back and Escobar platoon at dh mm-hmm. get Beatty in there sometimes if alvarez is up get him in there sometimes and then around yeah. the infield you can have guillorme too for the days where escobar is dh'ing 
much deeper bench, I think, now with Correa. Like, I, I have no concerns about the bench really anymore at this point. Uh, no. They just got to get rid of McCann still. Yeah. And potentially rough also. Um, But I would think yeah. one of them is... Like One if Ruff is probably not long for this roster. Yeah, if Ruff is here, Ruff is here or whatever. But I'm yeah. just saying that, like, if he still sucks, yeah. this is a solution. It's a very good solution. It's so much better than just fixing things, like, laterally, you know? Like, the, the comp that I think a lot about is, um, you know, replacing because we talked about replacing Tyler Naquin at one point, I think, or at least the idea of supplementing, right? Like the lefty fourth outfielder off the bench. And it was like, well, why, why not just get somebody who pushes one of your starters into that role? Like, why don't you, who's to say that the sub here needs to be in the same role as last year? Because you, you know, you kind of need to think bigger on all this. You need to think bigger than the roster you had last year. Cause as fun as it was, watching this team win 101 games and as fun as it was you know watching them beat the Braves in early August like um you didn't win it all you, you need to finish. do things to win it all you have a, you have your five-year promise that you've made um and Steve Cohen is 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 really acting on it I I knew after Jacob deGrom left that we were going to get some rage spending uh I did not think after Kodai Senga that we were going to get a whole lot more. I was very under the impression that like this was a big enough number above the luxury tax. Well, uh, we thought Correa wasn't even an option six days ago. Yeah. This we is thought he was gone. New. We thought he was off the market. And uh, apparently the Giants were not convinced by the medicals enough to back out of this deal completely. I mean, we've we Mets fans have no better than almost anyone that Scott Boris does not renegotiate based on medicals. We know this. We saw it firsthand with the Mets' first-round draft pick a year and a half ago. Kumar Rocker, the Mets saw something in their deal. They wanted to backtrack the agreed-upon $6 million term sheet. Boris said, not going to happen. We do not. I do not renegotiate. We do not, at Boris Corp, renegotiate based on medicals. You got to know what you're getting into prior. You got to be aware of the player's medical history. And in this case with Correa, what's ridiculous is that it wasn't a new injury. This was a pre-MLB draft injury. This is a roughly eight-year-old injury. It's an ankle thing, yeah. I think. And the doctors Correa. weren't even the doctors weren't even the 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 party here that flagged it as a as a red flag. The Giants were like, "Oh, that thing. Um, I I don't know." Yeah, I I I can't wait for the story to break about what specifically was going on in the in the Giants front office at I've which point never, yeah. i've never seen such unprofessional behavior before what was the steve cohen tweet something along those lines yeah I've never never seen anything like this but I'm, I'm very curious when eventually in three years or whatever we find out why they nixed the correa deal specifically if they felt that they wanted to add an extra opt-out in or take away some of the money or take away a year because of this ankle thing or whatever. I, I don't know. Or whether they were just looking for an excuse to get out of the contract once they realized they had agreed to give this player a lot of money. Uh, I don't know what it was, but a motivated uh, second option swooped in and made this happen. With Steve Cohen in Hawaii drinking a martini, uh, this deal came together uh, about 2.30 East Coast time. And assuming that the Mets don't care about that medical history there's uh there's no reason to think that they'll back out of this deal uh Correa was in san francisco 
He was dressed and ready to go for the press conference. He was in his jersey. It's brutal. You think that stuff would only happen to us? He wasn't in his jersey yet, but he was in his suit and he was ready to go. Uh, because they do the jersey at the yeah, but he's going to be a Met now. I mean, the next press conference that he partakes part in is uh, is going to be as a Met. So we've been talking for almost a half hour. You do not have a ton of time for us tonight. It is just an emergency episode. Probably a good place to, as I say, put a pin in it. Uh, any any final thoughts for this emergency PGE on Carlos Correa? A good pull on Kumar Rocker. This absolutely is the anti-Kumar Rocker for us. Um, Same vibe. This makes up for Kumar Rocker. And it also, it makes up for Willie Randolph getting fired at three in the morning. Uh, But that was a different ownership group. So that that wasn't Steve's cross. But that's all I have. Fantastic news. Fantastic team. Uh, It's good for baseball. Cry more. Yeah. I think, yeah, cope. If you're against this deal, cope. I don't care. Just spend money. You know, literally, you have if you have the own the money to own a baseball team, you have the money to spend on baseball players. That's right. And uh, cry more. Cope. Copium. San Francisco copians. That didn't really work. But you know what does work? Carlos Correa for the Mets. He works for the Mets. Team employee Carlos Correa. New York Met Carlos Correa. He plays for them. He he doesn't work for them. I would consider him an employee, right? That's if they pay him, he's an employee. Yeah, he does work for them. We're getting into semantics. Yeah, which is a yeah, bad yeah. thing to do at the very end of an episode. Emergency episode in the books. Carlos Correa is a New York Met and Mets fans. Have a pleasant day. Thank you.